And they'll win it 82 to 66. Game one from the Garden in the books. Hoyas over the Longhorns. I think we've got 0.2 seconds still. And your final 82-66. Georgetown wins. Jamarco Pickett and the Hoyas with the win, and they will await the winner of Duke, number one in the country, and Cal. So that one's still to come. Georgetown to take away Blair. And that's that. 81-73 the final. 218 wins as the coach of an AP number one team. That is the most all-time passing John Wooden. <sighs> Thank God. Preach, man. Thank God is right. Well, that could have gone way worse than it did. Oh, that's certainly one way to put it. It could have gone a little bit better if the boys in blue, when I'm saying boys in blue, I mean Duke and the officials, hadn't had decided to screw us without buying us a drink first. But hey, all in all, considering expectations going into this tournament, we blew them out of the water. Yeah, I know. I know. It, it, it's tough for any team to beat another one when you're playing 5-on-8. But I think that we had a really, really impressive showing. We did. I I, I, I'm very content with the way this tournament... Considering how we were playing before the 2K Empire Classic, I was pooping myself, dude. I, I thought we might have gotten smacked by Texas if all things were to continue out the way they were playing for us. And then t the nightmare situation is that we, we would have lost to Texas and then Cal upset us. But it couldn't have been further from the truth, thankfully, and... That second half of the Texas game was the most dominant I've seen a Georgetown team look since I've been a fan five years ago. Yeah, I'm here with you, brother. Um, welcome back to those of you, firstly, that are listening still. We're here to break down Georgetown's little trip up to the Garden, win over to big win over Texas, currently ranked 22, definitely not going to be ranked next week, and very competitive, tightly contested loss to Duke, the current number one team in the country this past weekend um a lot of good reactions a lot of positive takeaways here um but i, I still think some areas that the team in general can improve uh but like you mentioned before dan completely different note in terms of the tone and the attitude about the team looking forward now than a week ago without a doubt and i think tone and attitude is a good way to describe the way that the thing that's shifted about this team um, but we're going to get into that in a few seconds, but right now, welcome back, welcome to D.C., here we go.
Hook 'em horns, baby. Hook 'em horns. <laughs> you were you were saving that, weren't you? I was. I've I've I've, I've, I've been cooking that one up all weekend. Chef Dan stirring up the pot. Oh yeah, dude! I'm always stirring up the pot. Uh, but that's exactly what <laughs> that's exactly what Georgetown did in the second half of that game, though. And listen, Carter, you and I were rightfully concerned going into this one. Georgetown ended up pulling out a massive win against number 22 Texas, 82-66 Thursday night at the Garden. They found themselves down 42-37 going into halftime, but they absolutely spanked. The Longhorns in the second half outscoring them by 21 points, 45-24. to 24. And outside of Matt Coleman and his ridiculous 6-for-6 six six, uh, shooting from downtown, Texas couldn't do anything on us. Yeah, I was extremely impressed by our defense, especially perimeter defense, because Omer didn't play a lot in the game because he got two quick fouls, ended up sitting for most of the first half, and a fair amount in the second half. Um, but... We completely shut them down the last 20 minutes of the game, and we got a lot of unexpected contributions from people outside of who you'd expect. And I think that was the the main story of that game. It was our defense and the role players stepping up to show how they showing the real depth of this team. It didn't need to extend all the way down the bench, but we got our answer to the big question we were asking ourselves in the previous episode: What in the name of God was going to happen to this team if Omer got into foul trouble quick? <laughs> and we got our answer. And our answer was baby Thanos. Kudos Wahab, baby. And listen, he shut my ass up. I was a little concerned that he wasn't ready for the moment, but he did he was everything I could have imagined and more. He saw extended playing time. He he kind of looked like a young Roy Hibbert with his verticality, altering mm-hmm. shots, grabbing th- I think he had three offensive rebounds, nine points played fantastic defense this kid is going to be a star in two years yeah i was super impressed but maybe a little bit less surprised than you were about kudos because i just even from the minutes that he got against mount st mary's when omer was in foul trouble and even in the other games i was impressed with his mobility more than anything uh for someone of his size and stature which is extremely obvious when you see him on the tv and in person he is a massive dude, especially for a freshman. He's pretty filled out, still definitely has some weight to put on, but I was really impressed with his mobility. Like you said, his ability to go straight up without really fouling. Um, he, he might honestly be a better defensive big than Omer, as it is. I think he is, to be honest with you. I thought he did a better job than Omer did on Vernon Carey and Duke, but we'll get to that later. Again, Kudus was a huge story in that game, in the win against Texas. Three offensive rebounds, two blocks, picked up nine three points. fouls, nine points. And I think one of the biggest things that we could look at is the fact that he's a good free-throw shooter. When five or six from the line, and he's close to automatic when he gets up there. When he, How long has it been since we've had a big man who isn't necessarily the most skilled offensively, but is reliable when he goes to the pinstripe to hit down at least one of two? Yeah, I know. I don't even... How good of a free-throw shooter was Jesse? Jesse was good, but honestly, Kudus has been better. Yeah. Jesse didn't even get to the line that much either. His game was so stretched out. Stretched out, very finesse, not necessarily yeah. seeking out contact down below. Yeah, yeah. But again, Kudus was, was someone who I was really impressed by. Yeah, I was also... I mean, if we're giving Kudus love, we got to give my guy, our guy, Jamarco Pickett, some love. He definitely... He probably had the best game of his life 
He did, without a doubt. The Slim Reaper came. He takes no damn prisoners, like I said on Twitter. Six for ten from the field, two for three from uh, from downtown. Five boards and assist, a block, and 15 points. Again, up until that Duke game, Jamarco has really played within himself. Hasn't really looked to step outside of his role. But I think the one thing that was a little different was that he just sought out his shot a little bit more than he did, rather than... Ch- Basically isolating himself as a three-point shooter, he would use a pump fake and his length to get to a spot where he was more comfortable and use his touch to hit mid-range shots. Mm-hmm. He got a couple touches at the uh, the elbow and had this really nice ripped remove. He must have saw the KD was in attendance because I swear it looked like carbon copy. I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> he, he did look really good, and he, he hey, got to give him a lot of pre- uh, a lot of uh, credit for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. I was impressed. I think the key to our defense, honestly, we got very solid minutes from Terrell off the bench. This was that was probably his most impactful game thus far. And even though he didn't really pass the eye test super well, I'd like to give a little bit of a shout out to Jagan for having seven rebounds. He led our team in rebounds. Yeah, he did. And the thing about Jagan, which makes him so valuable, is he may not show up on the score sheet points wise. One for four this game. You know, he only he hit two free throws, but he impacts the game in so many different ways. His leadership, his presence, he does the little things well. He had two offensive rebounds. He always garners a couple assists. He's a strong defender. He's not going to give the opposing team anything easy. He had a bit of a weaker game against Duke when it came to turnovers, but still, he played well, and he is probably the captain of this team if we had to name one. Mm. I like that. Jagan, like the Captain Mosley. I'm the captain yeah. now. Yeah. Look at me. Look at me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we obviously have a lot of... I Also, Mac chipped in, too. Uh, a little bit. And... Yeah, he was a big reason why. I, I know it was it was a joke. <laughs> was, oh. Yeah, it was a joke. If Mac didn't play the way he did in the first half, we don't win this game. It's yeah, it's he, very simple. He came out guns blazing. Yeah, Mac McCash was on campus in Madison Square Garden. He really came out. His shot was looking good. He was aggressive. He was looking for his spots. And he was jawing a little bit after he hit a couple of shots. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, something must have clicked. That criticism after the Penn State game, we know how personally Mac looks at basketball. The effort has been up, especially on the defensive end. It hasn't always been good. But, you know, the effort's been there. He's been reading passing lanes better. And if this team is going to be consistently good, McClung's got to live in that 15 to 20 points per mm-hmm. game mark because yeah. he is a better natural scorer than James is. James found, the, I think we found the way that James can be successful scoring wise in the Duke game, but it just wasn't there in Texas. Yeah, yeah, I think um, Mac works, does really well when he is able to antagonize people. I think that drawing you were referring to is when. He was talking to the Texas bench. He was yelling, hold that, after he hit his second three. Mm-hmm. It was a nice kind of jab face up from the top of the key. So, yeah, I, he shows up for big games, man. But, you know, compared to MSG, right, it's the St. John's game last year when he balled out. This one now, um, it, it, he's a big game player. He absolutely is, without a doubt. And I love the fact, too, sorry, I love the fact, too, that we ran him off of curl plays. I, that was the first time I feel like I'd ever seen that from him, where he was able to get separation just because of his off-ball quickness and then either rise up for a jumper 
or get to the rim and draw foul. I, I think the first two plays of the game were that. I'm in complete agreement, 100%. Because Mac is someone who doesn't necessarily have the dribble skill to get by defenders 1v1 yeah. all the time. His handle's not tight enough, but he has the athleticism and burst. And by setting a little bit of a hedge, having Mac cut right off of that, it puts even more pressure on the defender because Mac is a good shooter, especially when he steps into his shot. And he has good instincts, and he reads the defender. He'll be able to. He'll, he has more options than he would if he was just one v one. James is more of a better player when he's operating one v one against the defender because his handle's so tight, and yeah. he's very good with the ball around him. But let me tell you, I gotta give Coach Ewing and the scouting team credit for running Mac off of these off ball screens and these pin downs early in this game because it got it got him going, and we needed that early when our defense wasn't where it was in the second half, because we were giving up a lot of threes in the first. Yeah, they were raining threes, dude. It wasn't just Coleman, either. Um, I forget the other guy's name. It was, uh... James Febris. Oh, Febris, uh, yeah. He ended up having three threes, but he hit two really big ones first half. Uh, Little chipped in, Andrew Jones chipped in. Uh, I think that what changed in the second half was just ball pressure. I agree, yeah. And that's where Terrell Allen really stepped up and (laughs) played some big-time minutes. Because we know Terrell, he's not a good offensive player by any stretch. He's someone who can score maybe one bucket a game, (laughs) maybe. But he's a sound defender. He's going to put pressure on you, and he's going to make your life hell, especially when he's on defense. Yeah, yeah, he he, he impressed me. It was just a fantastic team win, man. And I think for two fans who've been waiting for this kind of cohesion for the longest time. It was such a welcome sight because no one hit 20. You know, it wasn't like we were even going into this game. We were saying, if we win this, it's got to be Omer with 25 or Mac with 25, right? And even at the beginning of the game, it looked like it was going to be that way because Mac had 11 quick points or nine quick points. Um, and we were like, okay, here we go. But, that was definitely the most complete team effort I've seen from the Hoyas in my entire lifetime. I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree with you. And let's not let's give Omer some credit when he when he only played 13 minutes, scored 10 points, four rebounds, two blocks, turned the ball over three times, but. Georgetown went to him early in the second half, and he was a big reason why we were able to get right back into the game as quickly as we did, and. Omer, outside of his quick fouling the past two games, I don't think there's really much negative, that you can, anything negative you can really say about the guy. He's just been that damn good. Yeah, he can play. And I think when we get to the Duke game and we dive into that a little more critically, it's, it's very obvious that he can play. <laughs> uh, yeah, especially going back because we were at the game, um, yeah, surrounded yeah, by blue. <laughs> yeah, I think we're pretty much good with Texas. I think obviously Josh LeBlanc came off the bench, played fantastic, showing his length. His help defense is fantastic too. Yes, yes, really good at coming over and antagonizing to, uh, opposing players when they're going up to shoot near the rim off of help because of his length and his spring. Played 21 minutes, 4 of 6 from the field, 4 boards, an assist, a block, 9 points. The Energizer. The Energizer bunny. So, it really is. Uh, he hit a 3-2. He did. I'm telling you, man. Stretch 4. He did. Coming. Hey, next year. 
So I think um, if there is one other point I would like to mention, James really struggled in the field, 2 of 10, 0 for 3 from 3. He did. Um, But James, he he kind of adjusted his offensive strategy later in the game when we had about a 10-point lead. He stopped looking for that outside shot and primarily operated through the pick and roll and just got fouled. I think maybe three or four straight possessions under the 10-minute mark in the second half. He was at the line. He scored 10 of his 14 points at the charity stripe, had six assists, two steals, five rebounds. So I think James is getting to the point where he's recognizing, and I think we saw this in the Duke game, that for him to be effective offensively, it can't be from the outside. He's got to find ways to get to the rim. Yeah, I think you're right. He is, we're talking about this too, he has such a low shot that he's never going to get it off. There were times even in the Texas game at the end when they were just messing around, he just got swatted, even on mid-rangers. Mm-hmm. And we saw that in the Duke game. Early in the Duke game, he got a screen. It was a little bit of a fast break opportunity, and he tried to pull up mid-range and just got the absolute shit stuffed out of him. <laughs> it was yeah. it was a, the most typical James Rush shot we could see. Yeah, but yeah, it's a James shot. Like there are James shots. Now. Yes, like, uh, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> there are the, the typical James shots, and that's not necessarily a compliment. But yeah, if he, if we he, he deserves a lot of love after the effort that he put into that Georgetown Duke game because yeah, let's get to that. Uh, let's be honest, Carter. He outplayed Trey Jones. He clamped Trey Jones and then basically beat him on the offensive end, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, Trey Jones was, I think, a little unusually passive this game because they were playing through carry for most of it, and then Cassius and Wendell Moore eventually caught fire in the second half. But, yeah, I was super impressed by how James played. I mean, Trey Jones had seven assists and played 39 minutes, which is kind of ridiculous. But Wendell Moore played 36 um, but yeah, James put in a really, really valiant effort, especially in that first half. He held the fort down so much. He ended up with 19, six assists, three rebounds, and he got to the hole more than I had seen from him at all. And that was my point earlier. If James is going to be successful this year, it's got to be through the pick and roll. We, yep. we knew that last year. James is such a dynamic player when he gets a high screen, and he's able to cut towards the lane. His vision is just so good, and his decision-making is better, and his touch around the rim is pretty decent for a point guard. It's not yeah. as good as Max, in my opinion, but James is a better finisher around the rim in the sense that he's crafty, and he's strong, too. Some of the finishes he had in this one, he was really fighting through contact. I, the one I'm thinking of in particular was the shot right at the end of the first half to tie it at 33 going in. He beat Jordan Goldwire, split a double, went in and finished through contact. It was just such a good move. And it really shows you why this kid was the biggest rusher of the year last year. And we had Duke fans around us turning to us saying, this Akinjo kid can freaking play. And we were like, he yeah. hasn't looked this good at all this season. So yeah. he's a big reason why this game was as tight as it was in the first half, especially since Omer and Mac really didn't see the floor at all. Yeah, Omer got in foul trouble again, man. He... It was tough. I mean, some of them were, especially in the Texas game, some of them were very shaky. A couple of his offensive foul calls, and even in this game, the refs had a tight whistle early on. It was going both ways, to be fair. But he had some dumb fouls, too. He just he got beat off a cut and then grabbed Vernon Carey's jersey mm-hmm. for no reason. 
The first one, Omer. That's the one uh, that I remember. Yeah, the first one, Vernon beat him on a little bit of a slip, and Omer yacked him from behind. It was a good foul. <laughs> yacked him. Yeah, I meant I meant saying whack. Yack. Uh, Omer. Yeah, he whacked him from behind, sending him to the line. It was a good foul. It was a good foul. He didn't make the dunk, so that was a good Omer foul. But I think Omer showed that. Yeah, I think he struggled with Vernon's speed a little bit in the yeah. beginning of that game. Carey, he's a big guy, but he's quick. He's really quick on that first step, and Omer struggled a little bit. Omer's more skilled than the guy is, and that showed in the second half. Duke had no answers, none, for Omer in the post in the second half. But Omer really had a tough time with Vernon Carey in the post, and Kuda showed that he could handle him a little bit. He struggled because Carey's a skilled guy. There's a reason he was a top-five recruit coming out of high school, and he's going to be a top-ten pick in the draft this year. But I thought Kudis, he impressed me with the way that he battled down low against Carey, even though Carey, I think, scored 16 in the first half. Yeah. Um, Kudis, again, impressive, even from an offensive end. You know, he's not very skilled. There were a couple times he was open for mid-range. I was like, shoot it, Kudis, shoot it. You, yell, you were yelling that so normal. much. Because he looked yeah. good. Yeah, it looked, especially his free throw stroke. It's a little bit of a janky shot, but it works. Um, you can just tell the yeah, comfort he, isn't there yet. Yeah, I think from a, you know, how, what would Ewing think about the standpoint? You know, mm-hmm. they'd be like, do you practice that shot? Yeah, what? coach, I do. I do. <laughs> I was making it's it in favorite, warm-ups. It's my favorite Ewing meme of all time. Oh, it um, has to be, yeah. Curtis even took carry off the dribble once. Uh, hit his free throws again. He did? He did? on the rim well. Yeah, do you not remember that? I know he did. Yeah, I was watching the highlights yeah. uh, today, and that move, and I li- I like squealed while I was <laughs> watching yeah. it on my computer. It was an impre- He's impressive. He's gonna be such a good contributor come Big East play when we play a team like Xavier yep. that's bigger, and we're gonna need him. So I'm excited. This kid is really impressed, baby Thanos, man. Yeah. Just wait till he finds all those Infinity Stones and gets his and gets them on the gauntlet. The kid's gonna be unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah, I think even projecting out, um, you know, we can talk about Omer a little bit. The discipline on defense doesn't really impress me. No, He's a great rim protector. And he knows how to Four use blocks. his size super well. But I think off the ball, he can get a little distracted. So that's why he picked up a lot of fouls. And we ended up having to play him with four fouls for most of the second half. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised Duke didn't try to go at him more um, because he torched him. He had 21 or 20 in the second half. Yeah, he did. 21 in the second half, 9 of 13 from the field. Oh, we had all his points in the second half. Wow. Yep. <laughs> he had four blocks, two assists. Uh, one thing that really impressed four me. Wow. Yeah, one thing that really impressed me about Omer was his touch around the rim is impeccable. Yeah. Everything he puts up is just going straight through the net. Through contact, no fading away, step-ins. It is remarkable. Both hands. This kid is a hundred percent leaving after this year to go to the NBA. <laughs> yeah, he might. I don't know if he'll be a first-round pick, but he's playing like he should be. Yes. Yes, he absolutely is. And it just begs the question, how many points would this guy have had if he played 35 minutes, which is what he should be playing every single game? And granted, no. I think I think Carey was a little bit more passive in the second half because he had so many fouls. But... Vernon Keaton, him or Javin Deloria, no freaking match for Yurt 7 in the post. Yeah, I hope Ewing, 
begins to hammer that home in practice because Omir is definitely our best and our most important player, and he, I think, will single-handedly win some games for us this season if he stays on the court. If you watch, he's he's so valuable off the ball on offense, too. Yes. He is such a good screener in the yep. sense that when James is taking the ball to the hole or Mac, he's do, he's a, he does such a good job of shielding off his defender and preventing help defense, giving those guards a clearer look at the rim. It happened for Mac against Texas and against um, the team that we beat before that, Central Arkansas, I believe. Um, no, excuse me, Georgia State. And it happened for James in this game, too. I saw it on the film, and I'm like, that's the second or third time I've seen Omer do that. So, hey, listen, he... He, Mac, and James—it's—it's uh, it's un- they are undoubtedly our three best offensive players. And it was unfortunate that Omer, and especially Mac, because Mac looked good early on shooting the ball. Yeah, that yeah, he, he had his first two threes, man. Yeah, and that he didn't get the playing time that he really deserved because of that damn third foul call, which was a ridiculous call in the moment. How do you call that on a guy? Dude, that was that was so trash, man. He, they Both guys were going after the ball, and they just happened to run into each other. It wasn't either one of their faults. Yeah. And the ref was pretty demonstrative, and it, it was a foul on Mac. Um, and if anything, Mac was the one who had control of the ball. A better control than Trey Jones did in the heat of the moment. Yeah, because Mac's the one who stole it, and yes. he was just going after for it. So that was frustrating. Yeah, but, and do uh, that phantom foul too. If we just want to talk about the fouls, like yeah, the the, the phantom foul on James, and that was that was a four point swing. Yeah, it was a four point swing. Um, and Ewing rightfully got a technical on that, and he I'm not a te- it's not a technical I'm upset about. Honest to God, dude, I thought he was going to get tossed in that Me heat too. of the moment. I that really thought he would have gotten tossed, and then it would have been Louis Orr, right, as the head coach. Um. He, the amount of Twitter buzz that was generated due to the officiating in this game, it, it was deserved. We picked up 30 fouls. I mean, some of the ones that we picked up in the second half, it was rough. To, I, it, it was ridiculous. I don't think I've ever seen that many offensive fouls called in a single game. Yeah, I know. That was, that was tough, man. I, I think even, too... Kuda's got in foul trouble, which forced us to go small for a few minutes to end the first half and begin the second half, I think. And we yep. we got so torched then. Yeah. We had we had Josh at the five. Yeah, we had Galen Alexander guarding Vernon Carey at a certain point. That's Galen good. Alexander. Listen, I get he's a strong guy. Like you look at him, you're like, oh, damn, he's swole. But that's just not fair. So give the kid a chance. No, Vern is Vern's like the mountain from Game of Thrones. <laughs> Seriously, but uh, I I think that I you know rewatching the tape, Carter, I think this turning point in the first half that allowed Duke to kind of crawl their way back in. We were up eleven, eleven or ten, and we stole yeah, the ball. I think it was twenty-two, twelve. Yeah, yeah, we stole the ball. Jamarco had it on the fast break, and. Oh. This play, looking back on it, there's a reason Jamarco looked out of control, and it was because he was fouled by Jordan Goldwire from behind. Goldwire kind of dove tr- and tripped and tried to swipe at the ball, but he got Jamarco's right leg and completely tripped him up, which led him to kind of lose control of his handle, and he just ended up crashing into Javin Delorier, and it was a charge. And the uh, the announcers on the game were like, H- how do you not call that on Goldwire? 
and that was a play that really swung the momentum because we had numbers and Jamarco just lost control of it because he was whacked from behind. And that was a bit of a swing in that game. And that allowed Duke to kind of crawl their way back into it. And, you know, James was eventually... There's only so much the kid can do alone on offense. And Duke has a good defensive team. Trey Jones is a good defensive yeah. player. Cassius Stanley defends well. Vernon Carey is not a bad defender. Wendell Moore is an incredibly impressive freshman. He played a yeah. great game. And he's getting overlooked because Cassius Stanley had more highlight real plays. But... Wendell Moore doesn't yeah, Wendell play the Moore way he good, did. Dude. Yeah, he's going to be... I, I Before the season, I said Wendell Moore was kind of like a Theo Pinson type player. He looked better than Pinson usually ever did in North Carolina in this game. 7 of 10 from the field, 6 boards, 3 assists, a steal, 17 points. We're going to ignore the 7 turnovers, but still, <laughs> if he doesn't play as well as he did, Georgetown wins that game. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, there, there, are, there are a lot of ifs, man, that we could have... Too many. And there are a lot of ifs in this game. Uh, Josh played great, I thought, for Josh. Four blocks. He defended the rim very well. Two steals. One thing I will say, Carter, is you and I thought the game was over when Ewing employed a lineup of Terrell Allen, Javon Blair, <laughs> Myron Gardner, um, Josh LeBlanc, and I think who was who, who the, who the last one? It was, it was Omer. I don't. Even, I think there was a lineup. Omer wasn't even in it. I think it might have been Alexander was in the game for a while. And we were like, we're down 10, employing a lineup without a single playmaker on the court. Um, so it was funny, but they held their own. Javon hit a he nice did. James Harden-esque uh, shot from three. He had two steals and two assists. Um, yeah, he locked up Cash's family somehow. Yeah, and uh, I think Myron Gardner found a way to tell Patrick Ewing that if need be, he is playable. He is, yeah. As long as we, I think, put other players that can create around him, mm-hmm. he's definitely playable. And especially if we're going to break out a full-court press, press because he is so active, so full of yeah. energy, and he's his defensive instincts are good. He's very raw on the offensive end, but he had a fast-break layup. And yeah. he's he's basically like a baby Josh LeBlanc. That's, that's actually a decent way to put about it. It probably has more upside offensively. Yes, I would agree with that. But Considering yeah, I think his build. I was, I was impressed by um, how active he was on defense. Because we even noticed a few times he saved easy buckets on the press. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, this was really a game of you look at it and it's tough because... There are so many what-ifs, especially with the officiating. If the officials gave these kids a chance just to play and not necessarily call as many phantom fouls as they did. And that's really the most frustrating part of it because instead of what should have been a great back-and-forth game, the story is the officiating. And it's just it's embarrassing. Um, I've always been a fan of letting the kids play through contact um, because it's more fun, in my opinion. The game develops more of a rhythm. And I thought that... When when you call fifty one damn fouls in a game, I, it hurts the flow and it makes it not yeah. enjoyable to consume as a fan and as to play in as a player. Dude, even our uh, even the Doogies that were sitting around us were like, "This is the these are the most fouls I've ever seen." Mm-hmm. Um, if there's one player I do want to mention about that mention about that I was concerned about in the game was Jamarco Pickett. He went from looking like our MVP in the win over Texas to someone who looked like he was a little bit overwhelmed by this game. 19 minutes, one of three from the field, 
two blocks, four turnovers. It looked as though he tried to step outside that role and be a primary creator, and he, it just wasn't really working for them. There were too many times he threw the ball away a lot, trying to slash towards the rim. His handle isn't tight enough to really be going off the dribble a ton. And outside that, it was a, I think it was our second or third basket. It was a rip through right against Matt Hurt, where Jamarco got a really, really generous bounce in the rim, and it went in. Yep. He really didn't play at all in the second half. He uh, he turned the ball over. Was really demonstrative on the sideline. Very frustrated. It was obvious, and you know, natural. I mean, he had a great game against Texas, and he's struggling in Georgetown's biggest game of the season up until this point. And he really wasn't. Ewing didn't even look to look to play him in the second half after that. Yeah, he barely he barely played. And I, I think it was a good move in hindsight. It was. I'm watching the highlights now. A lot of us we were able to get back in transition. You more using the press. We turned it over way less in the second half. We had a lot of early turnovers. Um, and it really it helped to stay competitive. And I, I think that when we're looking at takeaways here, that's got to be the most important thing. Because I know after this you were upset about the way things ended, especially because it wasn't necessarily a game that we got outplayed. Yes. But I think I, all yeah. in all we made a huge statement and that's what analysts are saying across social media and different sports platforms. This was a good weekend for Georgetown, and yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a great weekend. Yeah, I, I I'm a really passionate fan, and I went into this game, exp- you know, we always say you eliminate expectations, you'll never get hurt. Uh, listen, it was hard not to look at this Duke team and say these guys are definitely beatable, especially the way that we match up against them. If things break right. We'll be right there when it ended. Things didn't break right, and we were still right there when it ended. Down four, under a minute. So one thing I take away is the resiliency of this team. They're taking a little bit. They're taking on the personality of Patrick Ewing. The resiliency, the toughness, the brashness in your face. We're not going to back down. I don't care who you are. We're looking to come out and smack you in the face. And... That leads me to believe this could be a top 25 team. I don't think they're going to be ranked. I don't think they should be at the moment. But let's say they take care of business against UNCG and then sweep the road games, then beat Syracuse at Capital One. It'd be pretty hard not to keep these guys to keep these guys out of the top 25. Yeah, we'd be we'd be eight and two with probably a quad two win and a quad one loss. And a quad two loss, probably. Penn State. You think that'd be quad two? Yeah, probably. Yeah, Penn State's good, dude. Yeah. They're a damn good team. Uh, I think the biggest issue with this team is consistency. We haven't seen a game where Mac, Omer, and James have all been clicking. Yeah, it's that, and I think that's just youth, right? Yeah. You brought that up after the game yesterday. The the fact that you show up consistently is what makes you a great player, but I agree. I, Dude, what? how good would we be if we were all clicking? Yeah, and that's a question I wanted to ask you because you rightfully brought that up after the game yesterday. You were like, e- in college basketball, it's all about who can be good consistently. Yeah. And these kids, you know, they're kids. They really are. So it's it's tough to continually maintain that energy and that fire day in and day out. Especially, so, especially because... James and Mac don't have anything to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Like, Omer has his size. So, 
James and Mack definitely is, more consistent. It's easier for him to get easy buckets. James and Mack don't really get easy buckets. No, they have to fight for everything. Yeah. So my question to you, Carter, is: Is it a realistic expectation for these guys to eventually develop a consistency where it's every every game you can count on these guys to put up at least ten? I think Omer absolutely is. But what about James and Mack? This year, I don't think so. I think maybe next year. Um, but I, they're definitely taking strides in the right direction. Like, if you're looking at stats, right, which obviously are an aggregate, max up to 35% from three, mm-hmm. which is super encouraging. And James is probably around the same volume as last year, but he's cut his turnovers down. And I think we can say his defense has been better. Um, but, yeah, I think in general because Mac is a very fire and ice type of player as it is and I think he'll always be that way regardless of how he ends up in his career so it's just more so I think either decreasing the variability in that where his bad games are better than his bad games have been in the past or making sure that his great games are so great that they offset the bad games I feel you on that I agree. Go ahead. No, and then I was going to say with James, too. I, just from a future growth prospect, I don't know if there's much more he can get better at. I think the the shot is something that really needs to be a focus in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, short of completely redoing his mechanics, um, or just becoming like Steph Curry and just pulling up as soon as you get around a screen. But, yeah, I mean... I don't know if this year it's realistic to expect that all three of them are on at the same time. And I think that's a very fine expectation. Like, if you think about college, right, there aren't that many players that you can consistently rely on game in and game out. And those are the ones that are first-round picks in the NBA. Yeah, it's a fair point. And it's like, if we're, it, we shouldn't hold them to that standard. Even Omer, right? No. Like, there are going to be games where he gets into foul trouble. Not, yeah. And we haven't seen it yet, but there's going to be games where the touch, maybe the shots just isn't falling. Yeah, I mean, we've had games where all three of them are off, and we get waxed. (laughs) (laughs) You want to talk about nightmare fuel? Yeah, yeah, I know. But uh, what do you think? Do you think that's a realistic expectation? No, I don't. I don't. Um, If there's one thing that is realistic that I want to point out, I think there's an expectation that all three put out a good effort on the defensive end, night in Mm. and night out. Offense, obviously, there's some variability. Sometimes the shot just isn't working. Sometimes people are just off. Like, it's fine. Uh, They're all young kids, especially Mac and James. And as you said, they don't have the size to fall back on Omer. I think Omer, it is reasonable to expect him to put up at least 14 points a game, grab rebounds, play solid, especially because he's older. He's had a year off. He's someone who, with NBA draft expectation after this year. So, him... I do think it is a realistic expectation. Mac and James, no. But I think it's realistic to expect them to put out an effort on the defensive end that allows them to, even if they aren't producing as well as they could be on the offensive end, to be playable and to provide value to some extent. And I'm really focusing on James in that sense because I think Mac is a better pure scorer than James is. You and I have been very emphatic about that. But James can provide a lot of different value, even if his shot isn't falling, attacking the rim, finding open teammates, locking down the opposing perimeter player. And I think 
the Duke game was the best defensive game that James has had because, you know, James struggled defensively in the opening homestand. There's no other way to put it. He wasn't necessarily always locked in. It's always just that Mac, when he's not locked in, it's a lot more obvious <laughs> because some of, some of his plays on the defensive end are really rough to watch. But yeah. James developed into a dog defensively on ball last year towards the end of the season. And for this team, in defense needs to be its calling card if we're going to be successful. I, I yeah. think that's the way it is. It doesn't have enough consistent playmakers on the offensive end. We've always got to be locked in on defense, and that's something that is realistic to expect from James, and I think the effort is realistic to expect from Mac. 100%, man. I, I know we love to run, and I know Ewing loves playing fast, pressing, all that, but I really think if we want to win the most we can this year, we got to play really slow. Just play through Omer as much as we can. Push in transition, obviously. Mm-hmm. But. Well, I think there are lineups that we should look to run in, and I think lineups featuring Josh as one of the primary bigs, maybe Josh and Kudas instead of Omer, that's when you really try to get out and push the pace because Josh just adds so much pressure when teams run, and James and Mac are just good in transition because they can use they their skill and athleticism to get to the rim. But if Omer's in the game, you know that Georgetown's looking to slow things down and work through the post. Yeah, and I think based on the talent we have, that's when we're at our best. Yeah, um, and again, I think I another... Mean, and, go ahead. I'm saying we can play either way, but, you know, come Big East play and come March, hopefully, hopefully. we play slow. Hopefully. Um, with that, do you think it's realistic for this team to run the table until Big East play? No. Because uh, I, I definitely think there's one more fuck up in there. We are, we, we booked two, <laughs> and we had Penn State. Um, and I, I don't know what it will be. I think it'll be a home game because I know we're talking about this road trip potentially worrying us, but the way this team is, when we're expected to not play well, we play well. That's just kind of how it is. Um, either we get too comfortable against a bad team or when we're at home. But, and we show up on the road. So yeah, we do. I, I mean, I'm looking at it and like nothing really scares me. But honestly, maybe UMBC might give us some trouble. I'm not so concerned with UMBC. I honestly think UNCG, our next game, could be a bit of a trap game. Really? Well, yeah. Think about it. Again, this is a team where if you look at it, we're getting a lot of praise, even though we just lost to Duke. From the way that they. Went up to Madison Square Garden and had a great tournament. Coach K was praising us in the post-game presser. Had a nice conversation with Ewing, getting his handshake. But we were getting a lot of praise. If you let that go to your head, we have some time off, seven days till the next home game. It's November 30th. There's a good chance they come out flat in that game, in my opinion. They might be looking ahead to that road trip to Oklahoma State and SMU and then the Syracuse. So it, I think it's a bit of a trap game. Do I think we're going to mm. lose? No. If we lose, oh, I'm going to be yanking my hair out. But yep. it's something that, given the way this team's operated in the past, it's not a team you can just simply overlook. Yeah, I, I think this honestly didn't make me any less worried about our next game. Just kinda, it proved something I already knew. That, like, when we try and we're locked in, we're as good as almost any team in the country. I think that's not a flaming take. 
I think we can certainly compete with anyone. Yeah. If if things if we are locked in, we are loaded, we are intense, and we are really motivated on the defensive end, we're not going to roll over and die for anyone. And that's something that you look at, and I think you have to be appreciative of. But that hasn't always been the case, man. No, it never. It's never been the case. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Regardless, I think this has been a very successful road trip. Not road trip, tournament trip. Um, and it's hopeful. And it should be hopeful. And this was a big, big, big weekend for the Ewing coaching tenure. And yeah. I, his things were not looking good early. Yeah, he had us questioning, but never fear. In Pat, we trust, and he delivered. So he needs to keep delivering because we need to. The Big East is going to be a dogfight this year. There are a lot of good teams. It's going to be some upsets in at night in night out. Seton Hall's great. There's Villanova. Xavier looks good. Not great, but they look good. Marquette still has Marcus Howard. Providence looks decent. Creighton's always Creighton. DePaul's not that bad this year. St. John stinks, but, you know, eh, screw him. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be fun. It'll be a fun year, but this team can't. I really, if there's going to be one more fuck up, sure. But it, the margin for error is slim at this point. Yeah, I think I'm really just looking for consistent effort. Same. In Same. that game, something so big he's fine. Yep, but, uh. With that being said, we appreciate you guys tuning in to the Welcome to D.C. podcast, all about Georgetown sports with Dan and Carter. And I guess we'll see you next time. You have anything else you want to say, Carter? No, man, I'm good. I, you know, fuck it, we got hope again. <laughs> Georgetown <laughs> basketball, a new hope. I don't know. We got to get some uh, Stanley Kubrick to start directing this. It's a, it's a great movie. It is. That it is. But with that being said, stay safe, stay warm, folks. We appreciate you. Give us a review on uh, iTunes, Spotify, yes, please. SoundCloud. Yes, please. Subscribe. Let us know what you think. If you have any ideas, feel free to hit me up on Twitter, Dan Baldwin at the Baldwin Era. We're going to be establishing a DC, a welcome to DC Twitter account soon. And who knows? We might. Uh, we're going to be rolling out some merch soon. A little yeah, Christmas. I think, I think we got. We can say that that's in the works. Yeah, we're going to be. Uh, been talking a fair amount about it. And we, 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 we have so many memes and nicknames at this point that we might as well try to make some money for it. <laughs> yeah, and make you guys happy, give you guys some fun, unique gear around the players that will help kind of unite the fan base. So yeah. Christmas is coming up. So as it is. Exactly. So with that being said, we appreciate you guys. We love you. And Hoya freaking Saxa. Yeah.